Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit from Coolidge, Arizona. We welcome you to the broadcast today. Of course, we're in a, a continuing in our series of the Gospel of John concerning the Messiah of God. Episode number 37 today. And you know what? Uh, today, the Lord's Day today, is also another uh, Remembrance Day. This is Pentecost Sunday. And... Um, we haven't uh, done a whole uh, lot with the Pentecost uh, Sunday. There's always been uh, mentioned with the, within the uh, message and the assembly and all, but we had a breakfast today uh, to get a get-together on the Pentecost Sunday that hopefully we'll continue with. And it was a good time here in, uh, within the assembly in Coolidge. So we are... Uh, blessed to be talking about Pentecost Sunday for without it we'd be in a in a in a bad way uh, but the apostles came bringing the message from heaven on Pentecost concerning our salvation and here we are today so many years later last week we began the reading of John chapter 11 and that is the account, of course, of the raising of Lazarus from uh, Bethany. 
by Jesus of Nazareth, who was the Messiah of God and still is. Jesus explained the subject of resurrection with Lazarus' sister Martha to comfort her at that time. For as we know, Lazarus had died and had been buried uh, or had been in the tomb for four days when Jesus arrived at Bethany. But after he explained these things to Martha, he asked her a very important question. And we read that in John 11, verse 25 and 26. (coughs) And Jesus said to her, I am the rising again, or the resurrection, as we say, and the life. He who is believing in me, even if he may die, shall live. And everyone who is living and believing in me shall not die to the age. Believest thou this? And that's the question that was left to Martha. After all that had been said here by Jesus in the conversation. And brought her to that point. And that's where we're going to begin our lesson today. With uh, verse 27 through 35, just to get us started. In verse 27, of course, we're expecting Martha to respond, and she does. So let's let's hear those words. She saith to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming unto the age, or to the world, to all uh, that is, uh, that exists. Yes. The cosmo. Now, I want you to notice that she said, I have believed. This wasn't something that happened just that moment. No, no. She had been believing this for some time, not only her, but her sister Mary, and of course Lazarus, her brother, who had died. Well, let's read on. <clears throat> and these things having said, she went away and called Mary, her sister, privately, saying, The teacher is present, and doth call thee. And she, when she heard, that is, when Mary heard, rose up quickly and doth come to him. Verse 30. And Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was in the place where Martha met him. So you see, this was outside of uh, Bethany, is where they they spoke. And now he's coming Uh, he will go into town with Mary. Verse 31. The Jews, therefore, who were with her, that is Mary, in the house, and were comforting her, having seen Mary, that she rose up quickly and went forth, followed her, saying, She doth go away to the tomb, that she may weep there. Mary, therefore, when she came where Jesus was, was, having seen him, fell at his feet, saying to him, Sir, or Lord in our vernacular, 
If thou hasn't uh, has it been here, if thou hadst been here, if thou had been here, uh, my brother had not died. She said exactly the same thing that Martha said to Jesus. This is they really believe that, and of course uh, that may have been so, but that wasn't that was that was not to be at this time. Jesus, therefore, when he saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, did groan in the spirit and troubled himself, and he said, Where have you lain him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. All right, we'll pause there, the end of verse 35. You know, in, in these verses that we've just looked at, Mary, we find, like her sister Martha, is confident that Jesus is from God, that he has been sent from God, the Anointed One, the Son of David, and all the different descriptions of the Messiah. And they, they were very sure that he could restore the sick to wellness because they may have been present when he did so at other times. Remember, they were only two miles from Jerusalem where Jesus did so many of his miracles. Everyone was aware that, that, that Jesus healed the sick. And Lazarus was sick and could have been healed if Jesus had been there. But you see, there's so much more to this account. And Jesus indicated it to the apostles before they, they came to Bethany that this entire situation was to glorify God, which of course would show that Jesus himself is sent from God and, and bring glory upon the whole thing. So we are, uh, as we read this text, we're awaiting these things. Because Jesus will do much more through the power of God and for his glory, just as Jesus had said and told his disciples. Now, verse 33, that word weeping, in the Greek it's actually wailing, because that's really what was done in way of mourning in, in that part of the world at that time. And, and by the way, still is, from what I hear, uh, this idea of wailing and mourning, it, it's... Uh, uh, I personally haven't been uh, involved in it uh, or, or uh, laid eyes or ears on it, if you want. But nonetheless, that's what the Greek word means. And the word groaning there is, uh, also holds uh, a little more than our English portrays. Um, it means greatly moved or agitated. Uh, this is really stirring the whole situation of how the people are grieving Lazarus is stirring quite an emotion uh, in Jesus at this time. Uh, and that's what the word, the Greek, means. And this is in the mind. Uh, it's a mental thing. So, and then in verse 34 and 35, we read the words, Where have you lain him? 
And then in verse 35, Jesus wept. Well, they, they, uh, they started walking, and they went to the place where they had lain him in the tomb. And here we find the, the, the idea of the, the humanity um, of the Son of God. Um, and it cannot be denied. You see, for hundreds of years, there's been an issue of the nature of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, but if we can't see, especially in the Gospel of John, all of the Gospels actually, but if we don't see the humanity of Jesus of Nazareth as a man, we're, we're, not, we're, we're jaded in some way. Uh, this is not a figure um, that appears to be a man from heaven, uh, such as uh, the angels from heaven make appearances as men, and yet are, are they men? Well, no, they're angels from heaven. Uh, that's not who Jesus of Nazareth was. Remember, the son of Mary, but he is the son of God from heaven. So he was above the angels. Spiritually he is above the angels of course. Always was and always will be. Uh in, in way of the order of things. They worship him. Uh and the things that he was doing here on earth uh portrayed him as the Lamb of God, which of course is the Redeemer. The the one that uh uh, was slain and, and the blood of the Lamb has saved humanity from their sins. So uh, we, we see it here uh, in, the, uh, in the grammar and I think it's very interesting. You know, as, as a young man I used to, uh, people would ask, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? Well, <laughs> Jesus wept. But uh, uh, I know the first few times that I, I heard it, I had no, not a clue where that verse was. <clears throat> but it was there. It was here in this account. The, we, we go back to last week. We, we find out the word, um, uh, the word love. And here where the people said, see how he loved him. But that's, that's love. And the Greek is the the Philo, the Philadelphia, as we call it, the uh, the close bond of brotherly love, um, and, and that, of course, was understood and known by the people. But in the same passage, we find that Jesus loves Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Love agapes them, and I was pointing out that we can have both. We can have both. Uh, and the expression is, in the English we got one word, <laughs> but we're, we're supposed to define that love in with the context of the sentence, but it's not always really done very well. And we can't expect the scripture to do it in context when it's actually a different word. But this is what we need to do, and that's why we have these Bible studies, so that we can understand that. So, um, 
from verse 36 through 40, we will uh, find out much that happened after that. And listen to these words. The Jews therefore said, Lo, how he was loving him, is how Young puts it. And certain of them said, Was not this one who did open the eyes of the blind man able to cause that also that this one may not have died? See, everybody's asking the same question. If Jesus would have came, as a matter of fact, if he would have came when he heard about Lazarus, he may have gotten here before Lazarus died. All this was being thought and known, okay? So this adds another level of uh, emotion to this whole scene. Jesus isn't talking about that at this time. So uh, just remember that. Verse 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself. See, he heard this comment. And it's causing that same emotion in him. Cometh to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone was lying upon it. So it was closed up. Because remember, after the third day, the the uh, air is, is bad because of the, uh, the decay. Verse 39, Jesus, Jesus saith, Take away the stone. And the sister of him who hath died, Martha, said to him, Lord, already he stinketh, for he is four days dead. And Jesus said to her, Said I not to thee that if thou mayest believe, thou shalt see the glory of God? You see, now Jesus is coming back to the question he asked her, isn't he? Jesus says to her, Said I not to thee that if thou may believest? So, if you believe this issue of death is a moot point. It, 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 it's a moot point. Thou shalt see the glory of God is, is what Jesus is promising now. All right. That was verse 40. All of this is done in verse 40 as we read it. All of this is done that God and the Messiah Jesus be recognized as who they are and praised. You see, that's what the, the idea of glory, glorifying. It's the idea of recognition from, of course, from who? The Jews. Jesus wanted the Jews to recognize him as the Messiah. The, the God, the Father in heaven wanted them to recognize that this was his son. This was the promised Messiah that had been promised by the prophets of old from uh, all the way back. Even Job was speaking of it. Um, it was the whole concept was given to Abraham. Moses spoke of it uh, at length. 
You see, these things are that all the prophets from that time on. And that's why this is so important uh, for the Jews to understand. This idea of glorifying is a recognition of God and his son and what was happening right at that moment to the people of God in Israel. All right, let's just read verse 41 through 44. They took away, therefore, the stone where the dead was lain. And Jesus lifted his eyes upward and said, Father, I thank thee that thou didst hear me. And I knew that thou always dost hear me, but because of the multitude that is standing by, I said it that they may believe that thou didst send me. Now this is what Jesus is saying in his prayer, and they're hearing these words. Now I want you to notice that in verse 43, they say that Jesus cried in a loud voice. And these things saying with a loud voice, he cried out, Lazarus, come forth. And I think everyone there heard it. Now, Lazarus would have come forth with a whisper from Jesus, but that's not the point. The point is, this is for them. This is for the people there. Verse 44. And he who died came forth, being bound feet and hands with grave clothes, and his uh, vestige was with a napkin was bound about. Jesus saith to them, Loose him and suffer him to go. And I'm sure that's just what they did. All right. So what are the results here? Um, well, at first Jesus praised the Father. But it's for the benefit of those hearing his words. It's for them to know the connection. And of course, Jesus always asks of the Father, just as the people should ask of the Father. Jesus, Jesus' loud voice, remember this, and I think it's important so that all would know it was he you see, when the, when the story about Lazarus being raised from the dead is, is told and told and retold, Jesus wants to make sure that everyone says it was Jesus of Nazareth who said, Lazarus, come forth. And that was important. Because if he came forth, by what power did he come forth? And we know because how when Jesus speaks of the things that he does in the original language of the Bible, he makes it clear that his ability to do these things is delegated from heaven itself. Does not come from him personally, but comes from his Father, from the source of all. Jesus commands Lazarus to stand up. That's what it means. 
stand up and come into view. And that's just what he does. So, a miracle has occurred in Bethany at the tomb. I was thinking of this tomb. This may have been the family tomb. And there may have been many of the descendants uh, of that family in that tomb. Uh, many of them were that way. That's why it was. it's referred to as the tomb of the dead, you know. So let's look at the next verses, verse 45 and on. And this is a great verse. Because of the miracle that's just occurred, what people are hearing and seeing, many therefore of the Jews who came unto Mary and beheld what Jesus did believed in him. All right, now let me stress something here. That's the only people that were here. These were all Jewish people. Um, this was a Jewish family. The people, all the people were. And that's who was there gathered around this tomb. And many, therefore, after seeing and hearing and just taking the whole account into, uh, they had been there for for a number of days. So they're shocked. All right? Now, um, what follows? Verse, verse 46. We have, we have the other side of the coin here, don't we? But certain of them, some of them, went away unto the Pharisees and told them what Jesus did. Now, this isn't uh, necessarily an evil thing that they did. They, they reported, <laughs> I imagine they were telling the Pharisees and, and, the, uh, and, and the priests, but I think they were probably telling a lot of people about what had happened. Well, fair or not, it was inevitable. Yes. And that's, I think that's probably uh, played into Christ's hands on that. Right. It, it, it has to be. Isn't that just what, what was happening? That's just what Jesus wanted. Yeah. This needs to get out. It's the whole idea. It needs to be told. Everyone knew this family. Uh, I, gotta, I, I feel that, and most people do, uh, that uh, this family was a prominent family in the area. So... Uh, and they were well known. You know, Bethany wasn't that large of a place. And it was just on the outskirts of Jerusalem. So it's part of the, the whole system, if you will. We don't know much about these people except for that. <clears throat> we don't know how long Jesus knew these people. He could have known them for many, many years. We don't know. <clears throat> so, in verse 47, the chief, the chief priests, therefore... And the Pharisees gathered together a, San, a Sanhedrin, that's what they call their council, and said, What may we do? Because this man doth many signs. If we may let him alone, thus, all will believe in him. 
and the Romans will come and will take away both our place and nation. By the way, that word place means their position of leadership. They're actually, uh, most of these people are born into these these positions. Well, they're all born into the priesthood, but the Pharisees, even even there, it's the families of the Pharisees that become Pharisees in another place. And nation. They're going to take it away. In other words, they're going to change. See, the Romans had had uh, had to come and settle uh, ever since uh, Pompey, General Pompey, had been there uh, before the birth of Christ, 60, uh, 31 or 61 uh, B.C. Um, but the Romans had to come back in and back in to settle the disputes amongst the Jews themselves and they were in control of the the country, but they allowed the Jews to govern themselves, but not if there was trouble. You see, this is what they're uh, afraid of at this point. They're afraid of Jesus leading a group of seditionists and troublemakers to where the Romans are going to have to come back in. The next thing you know, we have a lot of disruption amongst the Pharisees the Sadducees and the priests. They didn't want that at all. So, verse 49, And a certain one of them, Caiaphas, being chief priest of that year, said to them, You have not known anything, nor reason, that it is good for us that one man die, may die, for the people and not the whole nation perish. Now this is what Caiaphas said to the whole council, the Pharisees. And, but verse 51 tells us, And this he said not of himself, but being chief priest of that year, he did prophesy that Jesus was about to die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but that also the children of God who have been scattered abroad, he may gather together into one. From that day, for, therefore, they took counsel together that they may kill him. That is, kill Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, a little later on, I think in the next chapter, they also decide they're going to kill Lazarus too. You know, it doesn't do much good to kill Jesus if Lazarus is still walking around. And we don't know how that turned out for him. So, we, we find ourselves then uh, with the uh, aftermath of this miracle as far as the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem are concerned. Here's what happened. Many, because of this miracle, believed he was sent from God. And that was the, the goal that Jesus had put forth. Not only that, they went, they went out and told others. Some reported back to the Pharisees these things for, not necessarily for, for as an evil act, but, but simply reporting back the things that had occurred. <clears throat> they were the people that are, were to know about these sorts of things and take care of that. 
Matter of fact, the Pharisees that had been asked uh, by the people from Jerusalem, what are you going to do about this? You know, either uh, either uh, take Jesus and elevate him to where he should go or arrest him, one, one of the two. Well, they didn't want to do either one. In verse 47 through 53, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered as a council. This is the council we always hear of, the Sanhedrin, to discuss what to do with this Jesus of Nazareth. So by the way, you, you realize that Saul of Tarsus was a member of the Sanhedrin? A number of, uh, it was a large group. And... Uh, the time of year he may not have been present at this particular time uh, because where we the festival was before and and um, it's some time before the next one so he may not have been present we don't don't know that for sure but there were many present of course and the, here's what the, they understood they understood that they could not do nothing. I think they probably come to the point, of, and this is a decision, that they just can't let it ride. Just go along as it is, and hopefully it'll go away. It doesn't seem to be working. Um, because Jesus departs, and then he returns, and, and it starts again, and it, it puts a lot of pressure on them to either be believing in what he's doing or prove that he's wrong. But they, they're not willing to do either. The Romans with their authority, and they had it, will give, they're afraid that he, they might give Jesus a position of authority uh, or, or simply eliminate all of them and the nation. And that's a possibility. You know, the Romans had the power to completely level the place if they wanted to. But they didn't want to. More than together. Right. I mean, this is something we've studied years ago uh, when we were studying Revelation. Jerusalem was a major important city of commerce in the known world. And and the, the, the trade back and forth and, and the whole situation and the people that were there were very important to the Roman Empire and the Roman economy, if you will. And they didn't want to disrupt any of these things. As a matter of fact, the Romans were, 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 uh, in, you know, in, uh, were building and encouraging any sort of industrial trade and, and things that were growing the nations. They were in control. So it benefited them. So this would have been counterproductive to them. And they were only, some many years later, they were absolutely forced to do something uh, in 60, about 66, 67 A.D. when they had to gather their army and go towards uh, Palestine. But here we find that God speaks through the high priest a new message uh, because you know this system was still in place 
of course, and he spoke uh, an utterance that was not from him. And that The scripture makes that clear. And it was prophetic of Jesus dying for the, the Jews. That's exactly what he was saying. One man died for the whole nation, for all the people. And it makes me wonder what the rest of the council thought of that message. They probably thought, well, if we kill him, then everything will be okay. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm not sure he clarified it that way. So I, I think we're, uh, uh, we're really finding um, die for the nation. Yeah. He prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation. And that made, uh, that was a, a prophetic utterance, and he was probably surprised in what he was saying. Uh, but it sounds like to me in verse 33 they took the advice. They took the advice of, of um, the high priest, and they made... They plotted, let's say. Um, but you know, the leaders in that council surely did not understand the message that he spoke in the way that it was intended because they really didn't understand the, the real bondage that was oppressing them to start with. You know, they had some problems. Uh, the Romans were hard to get along with in a lot of ways. And, and they, had, they had all sorts of, uh, of uh, uh, Jewish uh, people that were upset with the nation and the leaders of Israel, the, um, the uh, zealots. And then there was Jesus. But what they never considered was that their oppression was their own sin, was the stone around their neck. And the other things... Uh, were not really a problem. So in verse 53, they took counsel to put him to death. And in this, and by this counsel, they condemned themselves. The judgment and the punishment would come in the last days of the Jewish covenant. In the last day and the last days. They were in the last days of the covenant at that time. But there was a last day. There was the parousia, the day of the Lord that promised through the prophets of the Old Testament all the way through, including John the Baptist, I might add, of the last day, the day uh, promised by God for the Messiah, for the righteous to be rewarded and the wicked to be punished. And that would come uh, that would come their way for sure. Now, uh, let's, um, let's look on from verse 53 to verse... We, we can go clear to uh, 57 here. <clears throat> this is kind of a, a space here between uh, the end of this chapter and, and the beginning of, of chapter 12. But Jesus, therefore 
was no more freely walking among the Jews. So there was a real effort to arrest him and and execute him in, in some way. But went away thence to the region nigh the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there he tarried with his disciples for some time. And now we have now now we're getting back into the uh, to to a time period. I don't know how much time between verse 54 and 55. But when we read the words, and the Passover of the Jews was nigh, um, either Lazarus, as I said last week, was raised from the dead in A.D. 31, and he could have been early in the year, because now the Passover is nigh. And we know when that is. You see, that's, that's uh, in, in March. And many went up to Jerusalem out of the country before the Passover, that they might purify themselves. You see, uh, when the Passover is close, many things have to be done, prepared. Besides the travel time, it, it took many days for some people to walk to Jerusalem. It took quite a while. They were planning. They had to get a lot of things ready. So... Passover was nigh, and that's how they did it. They didn't wait till the morning of the Passover to get in the car and show up in Jerusalem. That's how we do it. But that's not how it was then, and we don't want to get confused. So many went up to Jerusalem out of the country. By the way, this is the Passover. This is the period of time of the crucifixion. The crucifixion is just before this Passover before the day of preparation, as a matter of fact, for the Passover. And we've talked about that. This AD 31 is the only year that, that works with the, the days of the week when, when the Passover was and the, uh, and the uh, resurrection of Jesus on the Sabbath. Sabbath. Yeah, there's Sabbaths during that week, you see. But... He was, he was uh, resurrected actually on the Sabbath and, and they went looking for him on the first day of the week, <laughs> early in the morning. So that's the time that we're go- coming to. That's why I gave you that, that last week, uh, that brief uh, timeline. Uh, so we're right here in John 11. Uh, we're at the point of we're in AD 31 right now, friends. And all the rest of it is going to take care of just a, a, a brief time here um, uh, before the Passover and then following to the, uh, to the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. Okay, let's read these last verses. Um, they were seeking, that is the people, of, of Jerusalem in, in the area, therefore Jesus, and said one with another, standing in the temple, What doth appear to you, that he may come to the feast? See, he wasn't there yet. And he had been in, in Jerusalem a number of times before this for these feasts. So everybody was expecting him to be there. Okay? 
Now, he does arrive before. Uh, and that's what we call the Passion Week. Um, verse 57. And both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone may know where he is, he may show it so they may seize him. So they'd made a promise to the people, apparently, and put it out uh, that if, if you see Jesus of Nazareth, you're to report to those uh, responsible and they will arrest him. Although they really didn't do as they said, <laughs> as we'll read on uh, right at that moment. The righteous Jews of the day could have, they could smell the, smell the fishy, uh, uh, they knew what was going on in their hierarchy. They did. And as a matter of fact, you know, the whole idea of Jesus coming into Jerusalem riding on the, the donkey, all of that was prophesied. Where were the Jews to arrest him then? They did not do it. I'll tell you one thing. I think they feared the, the huge crowd that was not only waiting for Jerusalem, but, or Jesus to come to Jerusalem, but went out to meet him and those that came with him from the other side. A large group. And you know, these people were politicians. They wanted to do their nefarious things, but they didn't want people to be uh, really understanding or knowing what they're doing. So they simply make the idea that they want to arrest him, and they need to talk to him, they need to do this or that. But they're a little timid when it comes to actually doing it. So, friends, uh, we will start uh, with chapter 12, which is uh, basically six days before the Passover. We are uh, very close. And the, the rest of these chapters and all the verses and all the things that happened within these this time period of chapter 12 through 21 all happened in a matter of a few days, if we look at it that way. And it's very, uh, it, it's probably the most intense teaching uh, that we all need to be so aware of everything that's said in these following chapters. Um, because it's pertinent to the Christian mind, it's pertinent to the Christian person uh, in every way, in a way of remembrance and in a way of doctrine and in a way of understanding the, the gospel and what God has been doing uh, within his, uh, his people, both the, uh, both the Jews of the first covenant and and those uh, souls and saints of the new covenant. And with that, we will say good day to you this morning, and we pray that you have a week that is useful to your labors for the Lord, that you be found diligently studying his word, and we pray it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>